Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see each of you here this morning. For those of you worshiping online, we welcome you to church. Encourage you to come back for service uh, in person because it's nothing like the gathering of God's people. Amen. And so we want to encourage that. Next week, you can sing while you're here with a mask on. Isn't that great news? I think it's a really great thing. Now, when we look at Acts chapter 17, we read the story when Paul and Silas were on their missionary journey. And they stopped and they uh, lived in the city of Thessalonica. They lived there. They got to know people there. They worked there. Paul was a tent maker over there. But during the Sabbath, Paul would preach the gospel in the synagogue. He preached about Jesus and how he gave his life and died and rose again. And anyone who believes in him shall have eternal life. Now, some of the Jews that heard this didn't like it, but some of the Greeks that heard this, they received Jesus and believed in him. But some Jews, they were enraged. They didn't like what they heard. They were offended. And they decided they wanted to drive out Christian thought from the synagogues. Christian thought, out, drive it out. Out of the city of Thessalonica. And they turned to violence. And they dragged out one of the believers, Jason, from his house. And said, these men are trying to turn our world upside down. Going against Caesar. It was so violent that Paul and Silas had to escape out of Thessalonica. As time went by, we see that Paul was curious. What's happening to the believers in Thessalonica? So he sent the younger Timothy to go investigate. And then Timothy came back from Thessalonica and had this glowing report of how the church in Thessalonica was thriving. And so that inspired and encouraged Paul that he wrote a letter of thanksgiving to the church of Thessalonica, and that's where we get the book of First Thessalonians. It begins in chapter 1 with a thanksgiving prayer, thanking the believers for their work of faith, their labor of love, their steadfastness of hope in Christ Jesus, for they were imitators of Christ. Despite all the fierce persecution, they persevered. And they were examples of the believers, not just in Thessalonica, but also in neighboring Macedonia and Achaia. And then in chapter 2, Paul writes about how the believers received the gospel. Paul testifies how he himself went there and he started to preach the gospel, not for financial gain, but to bring about a genuine faith. He wasn't just preaching the gospel. No, he lived out the faith as he worked among the people, got to know people, built genuine friendships, and cared for people. And then Paul goes on to write about how the people, the believers, received the Word of God. Would you please turn with me in the Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. Please, if you have your Bibles with you, even at home, would you please turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. And this is what it reads. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, 
but as what it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. Here we see that the believers in Thessalonica received and embraced the word of God as a truth for life. Despite the persecution and Christianity being driven out of society by people who didn't like it, no, the believers endured in opposition because they believed that the word was truth for life. And that is the title of this morning's sermon, Truth for Life, as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. If you believe the word is truth for life, how then should we live? Well, the first point is we need to embrace the word and be transformed by the truth. Let's have a look again at verse 13. Paul writes, And when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. There are two key words here, received and accepted. Let's deep dive a little bit as we look at these words closely. Received. In the Greek, the word receive is the word paralambano. Paralambano comes from two Greek words, para, which means from, and lambano, which means to take. In other words, when they received the word of God, they heard it from Paul. Now, when some people heard it, when they heard it from Paul, they thought, oh, this is an idea, a man-made idea, and they rejected it. There were some people who heard it from Paul, and they were offended by it, and they went about trying to drive it out. But there were some people who heard the word was from Paul and then they took it in, lambano, by faith, they took this word in as the word of God. When you hear the preaching of God's word, when you do your devotion in the morning, you hear it from the pages of scripture, do you receive it, take it in by faith as the word of God? Paul continued right there, that they accepted that it was not just the word of man, but the word of God. The word accepted in the Greek is the word dechomai. Dechomai means to welcome, to embrace. So in other words, the believers, when they heard the word from Paul, they took it in as the word of God. They didn't reject it. No, what they did is they welcomed it. They opened up their heart and they embraced the word of God, not as the word of man. Not as a philosophy, not as a humanistic worldview or social construct. No, it says there that they really took it in as the Word of God. What it really is, the Word of God. In other words, this is the divine Word of God, the holy Word of God, the supernatural Word of God. And so as they receive it, they welcome it 
with open hearts and they embraced it. It says there, then the word is at work in you, the believers. The word is at work in you. The Greek word there for work is the word energeo. Energeo is a verb there that says to activate, that the word is activated. Now in the Greek grammar, the word energeo is written in the middle voice. Now what is this middle voice? Well, middle voice is basically a grammatical term that describes that a main subject in a sentence does an action to itself. Allow me to try to give you an example in English. The main sentence, for example, the main subject in a sentence is I, me, and the action is hit. So in the middle voice, it would sound like this. I hit myself. In this passage here, the word is activated by God. In other words, the Word is activated by the Holy Spirit. It is the Word and the Spirit working together so that when I hear a word from Paul, I take it in as the Word of God, I open up my heart, and I embrace it as the very Word, the divine and holy Word of God. And then the Spirit and the Word work together. For the Spirit is the helper to help us understand what is written in Scripture. It comes alive in my soul and in my spirit. And it transforms my life. Because as I embrace the word, I am transformed in truth. You know, when we are embraced by something, like a blanket. Oh, I embrace the blanket because I'm cold at night. So I embrace it. I hold it. But as I'm sleeping, something happens. This blanket starts to hold on to me. It's kind of like the Word of God. Oh, I receive it, I take it in. And the Word and Spirit are working together, and it's a, I'm gripped by the Scripture. The Scripture grips me, it holds on to me. It becomes a conviction in my life and in my heart. Conviction is not what we hold on to, but it's rather what holds us. Are you gripped by Scripture? Are you transformed by the truth in God's Word? Oh, there are many worldviews in the world today, humanistic worldviews. For example, the customer is always right. So therefore, I have the right to be served. I have the right to do certain things. And everyone has to do what I think is right. Oh, that's a worldview. And then therefore, as Christians, one of the challenges is that sometimes our worldview shapes our theology. Oh, I am to be served. So when I come to church, I am to be served. My needs are to be met. But actually, theology needs to shape our worldview. Theology says that we are to be servants of God. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And if I hear that word, I receive that word. I take it in as the word of God. I open up my heart to it and I embrace that word of God. The spirit of God and the word is at work in my heart and I'm gripped by it. It becomes my conviction that I am to be a servant first. And therefore I become transformed by the word of God. It's how I see life. You see, how we see will determine how we live. What we live for, what we're concerned about, and what we pray over. How we see determines what we live for, 
what we're concerned about, what we pray for. And if we see life through the lens of Scripture, it will determine what we live for, what we're concerned about, and what we pray for. A few years ago when I was serving in the youth ministry, our services used to be on Saturday night, and then we'd have an altar call after the Word of God, and you would see throngs of young people come forward, and a lot of them be crying and getting out all their, all their emotions, and some of them would be praying, God, I want to commit to you more. And there was one night when a young boy came over to me, and he asked me if I could pray for him. I said, sure. And he looked a little bit stressed, and I said, well, how can I pray for you? He says, well, can you pray for me that my school football team will win their match on Wednesday this week? I thought, wow, this is an interesting one. And I really didn't know what to say to him. So I asked the Spirit of God, would you help me? Because I had no clue what to do. And by God's grace, the Lord taught me what to do. I pulled the boy aside and sat down. I said that, hey, can I ask you something? What do you think really matters to God? Whether you win a football match or that you show God's character on the soccer field. And he looked at me and he went, "Mm, maybe both. I said, okay. Can I get you to consider this, that what's important to God is not so much winning a football match, but showing God's character. Are you open to that? He said, yeah, sure, I'm open to that. I said, okay, let's have a look at some of God's godly character. And so we turned to Galatians chapter 5, and I read out some character that is not of God. I told him, for example, we read out here, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, jealousy, division. I said, this is not how God wants us to live. How God wants us to live is this, but by the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you think you can pray that God will help you grow in these things on the soccer field? He said, okay, I'm open. So I got him to read that and I pray over that. God, help me to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I said, okay, that's great. Now, when you go home, can you pray that again? Can you pray that on Sunday night? Can you pray that on Monday night, on Tuesday night, and then on Wednesday when you get ready to you know, play that match? Could you pray that over again? He said, sure, I'll do that. Week goes by. Saturday comes. I'm at the door greeting all the youth, and this boy comes over. I said, how was it? How was the football match? He never told me whether they won or lost. He just said, well, it was different. It was good. I said, what happened? Well, I did what you did. What you told me to do. I prayed. And guess what? I actually showed some of these things on the field. Love, joy. I didn't cheat. I didn't kick the other opponent in the backside. I played as fair as I could, and I respected the team members. I said, that's great. But there was something else. I said, what? My teammate came over to me and says, what happened to you? You're different. And I I kind of talked to him about it, and he said, what did you do to make you so different? And this boy says, oh, I was a bit sheepish about it, but I told him that I read from Galatians and I prayed. You know what these friends said? Can you teach me how to do the same thing? See, this young person is living out a viral faith. He's growing in his faith. He's embraced the word of God. He's transformed by the truth. And we can do the same in our families, in our workplaces, in our army camps. If we believe the word is the truth for life, then we need to embrace the word and be transformed by truth. But there's a challenge that faces the world today, and that is opposition. And so the second point is this. We need to endure in opposition and advance the truth. Paul goes on to write in this passage here that there was opposition, persecution. 
He said that these believers were imitators of Christ. And as imitators of Christ, they didn't just have to live out the faith. They had to endure opposition for people who were killed for their faith. Paul writes there, as we read in verse 14. Let's read verse 14 there, and 15. He says, Who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. They tried to drive out Christian thought, drive out Christian values, and they did it with violence. And in the world today, that happens in parts of the world where people's lives are threatened because they believe in Jesus. They believe the word is truth for life. How about here in Singapore? Have you noticed of late that the world has gone beyond just mocking Christianity or using Jesus like a swear word? That there are people and movements in our world today that try to drive out Christian thought and redefine thought and worldviews. They try to drive out Christian values and Christian lifestyle. They'll even say that we are spoilers in society. We're spoiling people's fun. We're restricting people. That's a form of opposition. That people come to oppose truth. They try to redefine what God has established. What are we to do as a church? Well, we have to do something that's quite challenging and difficult. And I suggest to us that what we've got to do is draw the line. See this line here? This is the Word of God. It's truth. And truth is always opposed by the world. Because darkness wants to push out, drive out Christian thought and belief. Let's take, for example, our belief that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Oh, worldview would say, oh, there are many ways of getting to heaven. There are many gods. We as Christians, we need to draw the line. There's only one God. His name is Jesus. And that's a very difficult thing to say in a multi-religious society. But does that prevent me from relating with a person that believes in that view? No, it doesn't prevent me. My, could be a family member that doesn't believe in Jesus. Could be a colleague, a classmate didn't believe in Jesus. It doesn't prevent me from relating with them. But when we talk and when we discuss, I have to draw the line. This is the truth. I embrace God's word. I have been transformed by the truth. I need to endure in opposition and advance the truth, not by judging this person, not by accusing the person of anything, simply loving them the way Jesus wants me to. Let's talk about a very sensitive one, a difficult one. The world today wants to redefine the meaning of love in a family. And they would say to a Christian, well, you think that God is love, right? Well, why can't you love someone like me, accept someone like me? Because I want to live love the way that I think love should be lived. Oh, the worldview of love today 
isn't too far off from the Christian worldview, by the way. Oh, they believe in kindness, goodness. They believe in generosity and even selflessness. But the love is one that is without loving God, honoring God. It's a love that would suit me, but it's not a love that would honor God. And this is where we have to draw the line. For we love because he first loved us. Oh, this is very difficult. Because on this side, you have the opposing view that I can love anyone that I like because it feels right. Why should we prevent people who are in love with each other and say that it's wrong? If a man loves a man, that is how I feel. That's my right to love. But here we have the Christian worldview that says, I have to draw the line. Truth. Very difficult. How then should I relate with people like this? Well, let me share that I actually have a friend who is a homosexual. I'm not ashamed of him. In fact, I can say that I love this guy. In fact, we would hang out twice a year. Go out to eat. He knows I'm a pastor. And he knows what the line is. But it doesn't prevent me from knowing him. It doesn't prevent him from introducing me to his friends and say, this is my pastor. This is my friend. It doesn't prevent me from giving a hug at the end, say it was nice spending time with you again, and for him to say, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my friend. But he knows that there's a line that is drawn. I'm not there to judge him. I'm not there to convert him. No, I'm there to be his friend, to treat him as a person. But there are opposing views. There's opposition. And there's truth that we believe in. We need to not just embrace God's word. We need to be transformed by truth. We're not just there to endure in opposition, but advance the truth. There's a po- opposition to truth. How then, what should we do when there's an opposing opposition? The first thing that you and I can do is pray, to intercede. I'm so thankful for Covenant EFC's intercessors. Faithfully pray every Sunday morning and sometimes during the week for all of us here interceding for the church, interceding for the nation, interceding for the world. Well, you and I, too, can be intercessors. You and I can learn how to pray. Pray in the Word of God. Pray into society and life, the truth of God. I remember many, many years ago, when I first started in youth ministry, 20 years ago, right here in this church, I remember how the young adult leaders, there were a few of them, very committed, loved the Lord, wanted to invest their life in the young people in our church. We used to call them the Yaos, Yao saying for young adult leaders, pretty simple back then. And they would gather for prayer on Sunday morning and they'd pray. And after one year of prayer, we had an evangelistic camp, many youth came to the Lord. And after that camp, three of the leaders gathered for lunch at Jack's place, and they were praying, asking God, what's the next step in the ministry? And they wrote on a napkin, push-up. 
Push-up stands for pray until something happens united in prayer. And he came to me and said, we've got this idea. It's a God idea. Can we do it? Can we gather the youth on a Monday night together with us? And can we pray and intercede together? I said, yes. Why not? One month we did that. Bukit Panjang Center. Gather on a Monday night. We pray. Youth were there. Young adults leaders were there. Adults were there. We were praying. And then the three young adults that came up with this idea, one month later said, we really don't know how to pray. Can we, can we get some help? There's this elderly couple. They're retired. Their names are Uncle James and Auntie Sao Ching. We want to learn how to pray from them. I said, sure. So every Monday night, we'll gather at this wonderful couple's house. You'd have the older generation, the one that's gone before us, teaching us how to read the Word of God, how to embrace the Word of God. We are transformed by truth. And then we realize that there's opposition. Oh, they taught us how to pray. So you've got the elderly there. You've got the adults there. You've got the young leaders there. And then you've got the youth who are there. The generations coming to intercede because they know that where there's truth, there will be opposition. And we come against it in the name of Jesus speaking life, speaking truth into areas where darkness tries to drive it out of society. You see, discipling the generations isn't just a faith exploit. It's a God idea. It's a church idea. This is us as the church drawing that line, that word, and saying we come lovingly in the name of Jesus and we intercede and we endure in opposition and we advance the truth, not with violence, but in prayer and intercession. Do you believe that the word is truth for life. Will you embrace the word and be transformed by the Spirit of God empowering you, enabling you, be transformed by the truth? Can we see that there is opposition, but yet we can endure in opposition in the power and the name of Jesus and advancing the truth because Jesus is coming again real soon. And we must prepare our hearts to meet King Jesus. But Jesus' love that he displayed for us was on the cross. And on that cross, he died. But he rose again. And he gives life to whoever believes in him. This is the powerful name of Jesus that brings healing, that brings life, that breaks every stronghold. His name is Jesus. And that is the truth that we live for. For our lives. Amen. Today, in our church history, we are not permitted to sing right here. But next week, we get to sing. Isn't that a great thing? Next week, we get to sing with our mask on. Build this last two years. I wonder what it's been like for you not having the ability to sing. For me, it's been great. You know why? Because I love to sing. But for the first time in church, I'm forced to keep quiet and listen to God. Listen to where the Spirit's leading. And learn to worship God in other forms, like not just lifting my hands, but praying. Not just lifting my hands and praying, but clapping. Not just clapping, but dancing. Moving my body. Learning how to worship the Lord with my entire being. And one of the things I'm still learning in progress is how to intercede. There's a song that I'd like us to respond with. It's called, I Speak Jesus. It's a song of intercession. Because as we come to accept that truth is life, 
as we come to realize that in opposition, we must intercede. I'd like us as a church, whether you're at home or here, to use this song to intercede. Hear the lyrics of this song, I Speak Jesus. It says, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. You see right here in these words here, you may not be able to sing, but you can pray. You can pray as the team here sings. God, would you break in Jesus' name every dark addiction. God, we declare in Jesus' name, there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Then the chorus says, your name, Jesus' name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Oh, these are words you can declare with your mouth. You may not be able to sing it, but you certainly can say it. Song goes on to say this. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every fear and anxiety. To every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountain. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness. Over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name. Jesus. If you believe the word is truth for life, would you please stand with me? Whether you're here in person or back home, would you stand? Come on, stand. And as we stand, this team will sing the song. But you, I invite you all here to intercede, to pray, to believe the Spirit of God moving, stirring in our hearts. Oh Lord, would you come? Come Lord. Begin to move in our hearts, Spirit of God. Begin to reveal to us your will. Oh Lord, we come enduring in opposition. And we want to speak truth. We want to speak Jesus into life today, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh yes, Lord, come. I just want to speak. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there's peace within your presence I speak Jesus Would you lift your hands? I just want to speak I just want to speak the name of Jesus Oh yes, Lord Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Oh, your name Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life 
break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, we're like fire. Now the second verse of this song talks about speaking the name of Jesus over fear and anxiety and over every depression. Can I say this? Depression is a very serious mental health challenge that's in our world today. And to say, I speak the name of Jesus, be healed in Jesus' name of your depression, can be quite insensitive. You see, healing of depression takes time. It's a long, painful journey. So how should we pray and intercede as we sing this? Pray this, Lord Jesus, for those with depression, little by little, step by step, day by day, would you bring healing? Would you bring joy? Would you bring peace? Would you bring healing in their pain? Would you come? So as we sing this, would you pray that for those that you know that have depression? I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus your name is power your name is power your name is healing declare your name is alive would you declare break every stronghold God break every stronghold from the mountains Jesus in the streets in the streets Jesus in the darkness over it go declare Jesus oh my family Jesus for my family I speak the holy name Jesus shout Jesus from the mountains shout Jesus from the mountains
Let's sing the chorus one more time. Your name is power. in prayer and the benediction today. Would you open up your hands to receive the benediction from the Lord? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us so that your ways may be made known on earth and your salvation among all nations. Father, we pray this week, would you send us forth speaking, bearing the name of Jesus because as we embrace your word, as we receive your word, we be transformed by your word so that through that, we can endure all opposition and advance the truth that is Jesus. Jesus who is the way, the truth and the life into every sphere of influence that we go into this week. So send us forth by the enabling of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week ahead as the Lord goes with you. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.